Before we get into our episode on hope, which was recorded a few days ago, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the importance of hope right now in light of all the turmoil that our nation is devolving into as I speak. If you're listening to this a month or two from now, or maybe even a year, to give you some context, we have just had our sixth night of rights across America in protest of the death of George Floyd. A few days ago, I watched on TV as the life of a black man slowly left his body on a dirty street of a major American city. Days later, after the anger and the outrage and the protests for justice have been by many hijacked as an opportunity for anarchy, I've watched on my Twitter feed as the life of a white man was taken from him in an angry, violent instant by a masked mob, leaving his mangled, lifeless body on another dirty street of a completely different American city. In both instances, I thought to myself, there was a person created by God in the image of God, devalued, degraded, and now dead by another person created in the image of God. This is America. If you are putting your hope in a country, your hope is finite and you will be infinitely disappointed. If you are putting your hope in a system of justice ran by fallible people, your hope is finite and you will be infinitely disappointed. If you are putting your hope in a president, a congressman or woman, police force, a community organizer, even a pastor, at some point you will be infinitely disappointed. It seems to me what we are witnessing as a nation is the utter loss of true hope, infinite hope. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. African Americans have had to put their hope in a system they know is not tilted in their favor or altogether a system they don't trust. This is finite hope. For as long as they can remember, they have suffered disappointment after disappointment, defeat after defeat, and a soul, a community, and a race can only take so much before they realize that the disappointment they so strongly feel is an infinite disappointment. When disappointment for any soul, any race, becomes infinite, hope is utterly lost. When hope is lost, what does it matter if the world burns? It is just a world of infinite disappointments. There will be disappointments. We will never be able to escape this truth. But what will we do with that disappointment? How will we respond? Will we as a nation keep turning to finite hopes, which compounds the existential angst of infinite disappointment? Or will we turn to a true hope, an infinite hope? Jesus, who when he comes in righting every wrong, will establish a world characterized by true justice and righteousness. This is a person and a future we can put infinite hope in. And as we wait, we ourselves can live towards one another in a way characterized by this coming true justice and true righteousness. As a nation, we've settled for finite hope. And as a result, we all right now are reaping infinite disappointment. What we do from here on is up to us. But as for me, I'm going to keep preaching Jesus as the infinite hope. How will we keep on hoping when we've suffered letdown after letdown and disappointment routinely makes it so hard? We'll talk about it now on the Altered Podcast. 
podcasts. I hope this show has been encouraging or helpful to you. Ultimately, what I hope is that you're seeing that your suffering is something that God wants to use to radically alter you into the image of his son, Jesus. If this show has been helpful, please share with others. Subscribe, follow, rate, whatever it is you do through whatever platform it is you're listening to this through. Today's episode is part two of a two-part series on hope called In the Meantime. In part one, we talked about the meaning of hope and how we often misunderstand it because the common use for hope contains only one of two components, which is desire. Hope without expectation is more like wishful thinking, not hope. Hope has both desire and expectation. We hope for something because we desire it. We long for it. And because God has promised it, we can also expect it because God cannot and will not lie. Not only did we talk about hope's meaning, but we also talked about what hope means for us. When the storms of life come raging and slamming into us, Hebrews 6 says that our soul is fastened securely to our hope, which acts like an anchor. Our hope is our high priest who has gone before us, Jesus, and we are intrinsically fastened to him. We may waver and we may even lose hope in difficult times, but in the chaos of the storm, Jesus never loses us. He continues to pull us through when we've got nothing left to weather the storm. This is why Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.1 that Jesus himself is our hope. Today we're going to be a little more practical and discuss how we can keep on hoping and waiting for God when we are so overwhelmed by disappointment. How will you respond right now in the meantime, that time when everything seems upside down and messed up, and when God decides to show up and act on your behalf. How will you continue to faithfully wait when everything just sucks? When maybe you've been waiting already for a year or two, three, four, maybe even ten years, and God still hasn't answered the prayer, saved the day, or ended the misery. One of the most famous verses in the Bible on waiting or hoping for God is Isaiah 40 verse 31, which says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles and they will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Deep down, we know God is worth the wait. Lamentations 3.25 says the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Proverbs 20 verse 22 says, wait for the Lord and he will save you. Another translation is, wait for the Lord so that he will vindicate you. In other words, wait for the Lord so that he will make everything right. Psalms 25 verse 3 says, Indeed, none of those who wait for the Lord will be ashamed or disappointed. So from just these three verses, we see it is to our advantage to wait for God. God is worth the wait because God is good to those who wait for him. Because God saves or makes things right for those who wait for him. And because no one who waits for God will be disappointed by him. However, for many of us who have been waiting on God for some time now, we cannot help but feel disappointed with God. We can't help it. Why has he not shown up yet? I've been praying and praying for my daughter, for my son, for my wife, for my husband. I've been begging and begging for him to heal the illness, fix my marriage, find a job, help us with medical bills, and where is God? It's like he doesn't care or isn't even there. So how do we keep on waiting in this time of hurt and maybe even sorrow for some between now and when God acts? 
how do we faithfully wait in the meantime when we have no idea for how long we're supposed to even wait? Because there will come a time when God asks you to wait and it will feel like an eternity. We're going to think about two things today. The first will be what weakens our hope and the second thing will be what strengthens our hope. But before we can look at what weakens and strengthens our hope, we must be aware of what constantly threatens our hope. This is obvious. Impatience. Impatience constantly threatens our hope. We will all become impatient with God at some point. Our impatience with God will no doubt lead us to feeling disappointed with God. Let's just acknowledge that. It's going to happen. So let's not be surprised when it does. The question is, what will you do with that disappointment? What will we do when we feel our patience with God running thin and disappointment with God creeping in? There's one of two ways things will go down when we find ourselves tired of waiting and disappointed with God. The first route will weaken our hope, while the second will strengthen our hope. We want to fight against slipping into this first path, which will weaken our hope and eventually dissolve our hope. This first path or route that is so natural for us all to travel down, which weakens our hope, is taken when we allow our disappointment with God to nosedive us into discontentment with God. We allow our disappointment with God to nosedive us into discontentment with God. We give our disappointment permission to fester. We stew in our bitterness with God and mull over and over all the times God could have done something, but he did nothing. All those times, if you were God, you would have done something different, but God was indifferent. We become obsessive about God's mishandling of our situation. We blame God for botching up our life. And at the very core of this discontentment with God is really our lack of satisfaction with God. We may not realize it or even want to admit it, but we believe there's more satisfaction in our circumstances, our marriage, our work, our health, our hobbies, than there is in God. God is just that guy to make all these good things happen for us. So when things are good, God is good. And when things are bad, or when things are not good, God is no longer good. Without knowing it, our circumstances become the measure of God's goodness to us. If this is how we measure the goodness of God, then we will always be dissatisfied with God when things don't go our way. When we fall victim to this role reversal that God somehow is our servant who exists to please us, we will be devastated by disappointment. The truth is we are his servants to live in such a way that pleases him. As we allow more and more our circumstances to cause us to doubt the goodness of God, our hope weakens more and more. Eventually, we will have to fire the servant and do things our own way. But we can't. Isaiah 40 verse 30 says, Youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet, verse 31, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. The need for these to gain new strength tells me they're running out of their own strength. They're running on fumes. They too have suffered disappointment after disappointment, defeat after defeat, heartbreak after heartbreak, but they don't let it fester. They don't stew, although they may desperately want to. Those who gain new strength are those who are not looking for contentment in their circumstances, but find their satisfaction in a deep relationship with God. These people follow down the second route when becoming weary of waiting and overwhelmed with disappointment. 
The second path or second route we can take is this. We allow our disappointment with God to drive us into a deeper and greater dependency on God. Allow your disappointment with God to drive you into a greater dependency on God. But you may say, why would I depend greater on a God who seems to be letting me down in my time of need? But this objection is coming from a place of dissatisfaction with God because of your circumstances. Your circumstances are not the measure of God's goodness to you. The cross is. A God who wouldn't withhold his one and only son from you, but rather hand him over for you, is a God who will, in the end, not disappoint you. This is why you can allow your disappointment to drive you into a greater dependency on God. He will not disappoint you in the end. Yes, right now you may feel disappointed. I've been there. But you know deep down God is good and there is a good reason for all the junk happening. Though you don't see it now. Finding our satisfaction in God rather than in our circumstances results not in a weak hope, but in a defiant hope, a defiant confidence, a resolute and battle-hardened hope. Our faith and our hope in God become so stubborn, Psalm 73.25 rings true for us, which says, Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. But how do those of us whose faith right now feels so fragile, take that first step at arriving at this defiant hope, this hope that is resilient and unwavering in the face of difficult circumstances. For me, the first step has always looked like Job, just sitting in the dust. It has looked like Jeremiah sinking in the mud. It has felt like Paul abandoned and alone at times. It has looked like me mad at God, but still opening my Bible and reading and burning into my brain what the Bible says is true about God not what my circumstances make me feel is true about God. I don't let the voice in my head rehearse over and over how I think God has dropped the ball, but I recite over and over verses like Micah 7 verses 7 and 8, which say, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. Or Psalm 35, verses 1 through 3, which says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up for my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. And say to my soul, I am your salvation. Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 71, verses 1 and 2, in you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never regret it. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Isaiah 46, 4, I will carry you and save you. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those crushed in spirit. When I am tired of waiting and so overwhelmed by disappointment it hurts, I do my very best to allow my disappointment not to send me nosediving into discontentment with God, but to drive me into greater dependency on Jesus. I allow my disappointment to drive me back to the one, not away from the one, who can satisfy me, the one who is worth waiting for, the one who is worth hoping in. 
The good news is you don't have to be strong to decide to wait on God. You don't have to be like your pastor or, or that super spiritual person in your Bible study that prays in Bible verse code to God. In fact, I actually do my best waiting when I am keenly aware that I am not strong enough. That I am actually just a very weak person who needs someone stronger, who needs an anchor. You don't have to be strong, but you do have to be hell-bent on fighting for your hope when the world all around you wants to choke it out. You have to be determined not to give up on the one who will strengthen you and the one who will never leave you. Isaiah 40.31 says that while we wait, for those of us who choose to keep on waiting, we gain new strength. And the context from verse 29 is that it is God who gives his strength to the weary and to him who lacks might increases power. For those of us who choose to stick it out, who determine to keep on moving through the hurt, the confusion, and the frustration by faith expecting God to do something, no, God may not show up anytime soon to say, hey, the wait is over. But he will show up to give you the strength to endure the wait, the journey he is asking you to undertake. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being satisfied and going hungry, having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can take comfort in the fact that it is Jesus' strength which will strengthen your hope when you are tired and disappointed. So here's what you're going to do. Yes, you may feel burned out, devastated by disappointment. Don't look around at your circumstances, but look into God's word and see he is good. In doing so, you'll see that God is actually all around you, working for you, fighting for you. And although you don't understand why things are the way they are and all this junk just seems to keep on happening to you, you know that God is more reliable than your eyes. So you're going to turn off all the noise around you that tries to tear your focus away from what you know is true about God. You're going to turn off your stewing and turn off your fuming. Each day, whether you like it or not, you're going to fall out of bed whether you like it or not, and you're going to get alone with God and you're going to open your Bible to Psalms. Start with the verses I gave you if you'd like. Read them over and over. Shut up the voices in your head that want to contradict what you're reading. Those cynical voices that keep pulling your focus away from God back to your circumstances. Read a psalm and another psalm and another until you find that one verse, that one truth that renews you, that makes you smile and think, that's it, that's just what I needed for today. And you're going to write it down or you're going to paraphrase it in your head. Whatever you have to do to take that truth, that renewing, strength-generating, life-sustaining truth with you into the battle that will be waged against your hope that day. And then you're going to do it all over again tomorrow. Those who wait for the Lord will not be disappointed. They will not regret they waited. You know the Lord is good to those who wait. You know He will pull you through. It may not look how you want it to, and it will definitely not be when you want Him to but you will not be disappointed when he does. So how do we keep on hoping when we felt so much disappointment with God, suffered letdown after letdown, heartache after heartache? We look to the cross, the true measure of God's goodness in that he did not withhold his one and only son from us, but handed him over for us so that he wouldn't lose us. We look to Jesus who was so determined to save us and satisfy us he entered the world and willingly suffered disappointment after disappointment, letdown after letdown, and heartache after heartache on our behalf. Now we, with that same determination, fight for a hope that is untouched by our circumstances because we 
are becoming holy and totally satisfied with who God is. This God who loves us so much, he gave his one and only son. So who is God to you? Some servant who exists to give you things in this life that you think will satisfy you? Or is God alone enough for you? Come what may, right now in the meantime, we will never turn our backs on God, who though his ways are hidden from us, is always fighting for us. You can do this. You can fight back the noise of your circumstances, shut up the derailing voices in your own head, and find the renewing, hope-strengthening, life-sustaining power of Jesus. Just wait. Wait.